¿Qué onda mi gente? Mi nombre es Angie. My name is Angie. Bienvenidos a Psicología para la Gente. Let's run that shit back. Psicología pa la gente. I can finally say that. And it feels fucking magnificent. Welcome to Psychology for the People. I've been working on this podcast for like almost two years or so. But every time that I think I'm ready to get it up and running, boom, here comes life shitting all over the place per usual. Fortunately for y'all, I am a resilient human being, so I decided to boss up with my time, and I was able to get this thing on and poppin'. You're welcome. You all get to benefit from my perseverance. <laughs> Psicología para la gente is a place for those of us who often question life, for those of us who tend to think outside the box, who tend to think about the why. Psicología para la gente is a place for intellectuals. Like myself. I will hop on here each month and share free psychology game with y'all without using too much of the fancy psychology jargon. Because I know that sometimes when we are trying to learn about something, it's easy to get caught up in the fact that we don't really know what these words mean. And that can sometimes stop us from learning, right? But if we're able to break these words down and relate them to words that we already have in our vocabulary, then we will not only be able to learn these words um quicker and better but we will have a better understanding of the concepts and what is really being discussed one question that i often get is how did you get into the world of psychology i usually answer by first stating that the world of psychology isn't a special little world out on its own It is actually a very real world, also known as our everyday life. People think that psychology is this elaborate study, and it kind of is, but once you start reading about it and relating it to what you already know, connecting it to your experiences, you realize that you already have a lot of knowledge regarding psychology Because it's just about daily life concepts. Most of it is common sense. But then again, common sense isn't as common as the name suggests, I found out. So that is why I'm here. I'm here to teach, to educate, but most importantly, to make you question and inspire you to learn. If you look up the definition of psychology, it will say that it is a scientific study of the human mind and its functions, especially those affecting behavior in a given context. To me, psychology is just about analyzing everyday feelings and actions. Me, I'm a thinker, but most importantly, I'm a questioner. 
I say most importantly because asking questions is what leads to learning. I am constantly thinking about my feelings, my growth, what purpose something or someone has or had in my life. I am always questioning why things are the way they are, who decided it, who do they benefit. Those last two usually have the same answer, the whites. I think so much that it is exhausting at times, but... It is who I am, I've always been this way, and I wouldn't want to be any other way. But I haven't always felt this way. Believe it or not, there was a time when I hated being an overthinker, I hated that I always had to question things, I felt like it just made my life more difficult, Um, but I was able to work through those feelings that really didn't belong to me at all and now I love being the way I am. Some of you might know me from somewhere, some of you might have just come across my podcast, a lot of you might be wondering why should I keep listening to this podcast, does this lady even really know what she's talking about, what makes her qualified, yada, yada, yada. Well, let's find out. I'm going to go ahead and give my fellow listeners some background information about me. Y'all ready? Come along, travel with me back in time. Circa 1989, the day of my conception. I was conceived by two Libras during Libra season for all my astrology peeps and this occurred in the small pueblo of El Sausal, Baja California, Mexico. El Sausal is about 10 miles north of the now very popular tourist attraction of Ensenada. You may have visited Ensenada on a cruise, you may have driven down there for some other holiday If you haven't gone, highly recommend it. 10 out of 10. So after my conception, and about two months before I was ready to bust out the womb, my mom and dad made their journey to San Jose, California, so that I could be born an American citizen. First generation American. Our little three-person family didn't last very long. I was born in 1990, but in the summer of 1993, before I could even retain the memory of us as a family, my mi papa decided to call it quits. What happened next? Well, my mom took me with her back to Mexico, and I became the community child of our extended family. I ended up moving in with my paternal grandparents, my nana and tata, because my mom wasn't able to work full-time and take care of me. I was a very needy child, required a lot of attention, always had my nose in grown folks' business. I loved living with my nana and tata. 
I was babied, I was given advice, I was told stories, I was allowed to explore, allowed to express myself freely. I felt safe here. My cousins always visited. The house was never empty. Tias y tios always stopped by. We usually all had lunch together. My mom visited once in a while. She was working multiple jobs and she didn't have a car. So just whenever she had an extra two hours to spare so that she could take the bus to go see me is when she would come and visit. My dad rarely visited because he was actually illegally living, but most importantly, grinding in California. He was always sending me toys and clothes. I remember when he sent me the coolest bike with a little license plate featuring my name on it. My tias would usually come on the weekends and take me to parties or to go have sleepovers with them. Now that I think about it, this was the only time in my childhood when I didn't feel alone. I felt like I belonged, like people had my best interests in mind. My nana, well, oh my gosh, what can I say about that woman to give you guys even a partial description of everything she embodied. My nana was, she was the shit. She was the ones, the twos, the threes. She was everything. She became my first memory of a mother. She knew the type of love that I needed and she just gave it to me effortlessly. She gave it to me genuinely. It was something that I never once questioned. Does my Nana love me? The fuck? Yes. It was a love that nobody could deny. A love that refused to hide from anyone. I only lived with her and Tata for like three years or so, but even in that short amount of time, an unbreakable bond of the purest form of love was created. And I knew at my five, six years of age, my soul knew this is what home should feel like. Unfortunately, that couldn't be my home forever. When it became time for me to start going to elementary school, my dad opened up the discussion about me moving back to California. Bittersweet discussion, right? On one hand, I was excited to go be with my dad. I had never really lived with the man before, but I loved my dad. I was a daddy's girl, and I just had this idea of how amazing our lives would be together. Um, but on the other hand, I was sad. I, I didn't want to leave my nana and tata. I didn't want to leave my first home, the place where I was loved and happy at. My mom at first did not want me to go live with my dad in California because my dad had a lot of issues at that time. Um, he was an alcoholic, so naturally she didn't trust him to make the 
best decisions or to give me the best care. But what ended up happening was during this time that this discussion was occurring, um, one of my tias, who I now consider one of the many moms I was blessed with, mi tia Carmela, she had just gotten separated from the father of her children and she was looking for a change in her life. So she decided that she would take her two boys and make her journey to California moving with my dad. Tia Carmela went and talked to my mom and my mom agreed that, okay, if Tia Carmela is there, then sure, I, I trust Angie also being there. On July 31st, 1996, my sixth birthday, Tia Carmela, my two primos, and I arrived to my dad's two-bedroom apartment in Santa Clara, California. My dad lived in a small complex with only three other apartments, and all these apartments were inhabited by other tias of mine. My community upbringing continued, and I loved it. My mom stayed in Mexico, as I mentioned, and she eventually remarried and she had another daughter. I used to go visit her every summer, but I would end up spending most of my time at my Nana's house. I would only go see my mom on certain days and I would rarely stay the night. Um, then when I would go back to California after the summer, we rarely talked on the phone. So we didn't really have a relationship per se. Then when I was eight years old, my dad remarried, and soon after, he had a son. What I wanted was to continue living with my tia Carmela and my primos, because to me, that was my family. But I was forced to move with my dad and his new wife, because as I was told, that was my family. So very early on, I started to question what the word family really meant. Right, I I had this strong feeling of who my family was. My nana and tata, they were home. Now, my tia Carmela and primos, they were my new home, right? They also gave me that environment that my soul recognized as home. But now I was just being told, hey, your dad and his new wife, who, I mean... She was a stranger, right? Yeah, my dad had dated her for a while, but she wasn't really family in the sense that I knew family as. Then in the year 2000, my dad moved us to Stockton, California. People usually move out of the hood to go to a better <laughs> place, but my dad just kept moving us to other hoods. In Stockton, his wife ended up giving birth to two other boys, so I now had a total of three little brothers and my one little sister in Mexico. The next 10 years of my life were what I would now describe as a nightmare, an emotional roller coaster, lonely days, confusing nights. My dad was always working or during the early days of his marriage in and out of trouble. Um, I didn't have much of a relationship with him either. Yeah, I lived with him. Yeah, he technically raised me, but there wasn't that much 
raising going on from his part. It was either me raising myself or me calling my tia for help. Mine and my dad's relationship mostly consisted of him yelling at me for not being perfect. If I asked to experience something, it was usually a no because he was just so fearful that I would make a bad decision and ruin my life, I guess. Um, then I would demand a reason, then this would lead to more yelling and eventually some lecture would come of it. Oh, I hated his lectures. They always lasted forever. Um, after the lectures, he would just go back to his regularly scheduled life. I hated talking to him. I hated that he never tried to understand me. And more than anything, I hated being around his wife. She just had this dark aura. She was problematic. It was 90% of the time bad vibes when I was around her. So I used to just spend all my time in my room. That was my safe little space. I used to read. I used to listen to music. I used to write. These are the three activities that kept me sane. And it's just funny that they all had to do with words, right? With the expression of words. Reading helped me escape. It also educated me. I was obsessed and still am to some extent because JK Rowling has been speaking some shit, some very ignorant shit lately, but we won't get into that today. Um, anyways, obsessed with the Harry Potter series. The books were so much more than entertainment for me. I felt like I connected to the main character, Harry Potter, in so many ways. Not only did we have the same birthday, but we had similar upbringings where our parents weren't really around and we were forced to live in a place that didn't feel like home to us. Music, it connected me. It showed me that I wasn't the only one going through things or feeling certain emotions. Music was my therapist for a very long time. It gave me so much advice and it still does. I use lyrics from songs in conversations all the time. Sometimes I remember lyrics better than my own thoughts. Writing helped me sort out my emotions. The minute I learned to write, my world changed. I knew this is how I can make sense of all the shit going on in my brain by writing about it. And whenever I was feeling a strong emotion, I used to get out my journal and I used to write. Whatever came out of my mind, I used to just write it down. After processing my many feelings through writing, I was able to understand them better. And I always felt more clear-minded. I felt at peace. Reading, music, and writing, they are still a huge part of my life. When I used to get tired of being in isolation, I would spend time with my little brothers, who were kind of like my children at one point. They are honestly what kept me sane in that house. They were able to provide that love and care that 
I so desperately wanted from my dad, from my mom, and even from my dad's wife. While attending San Joaquin Elementary School in Stockton, I was given the opportunity to join the GATE program. GATE stood for Gifted and Talented Education. This was a program for the students that were performing above standard, and it was supposed to help us not get bored with the normal curriculum of the classroom. It was supposed to give us that little extra that I guess they determined our brains needed. So what would happen is we used to get taken out of our regular classroom, I think like once a week, and we would just go to a different classroom and talk about more advanced topics, I guess. In the GATE program, we spent a whole session learning about the brain, and I immediately became obsessed. I loved learning about the different parts of the brain and what they controlled. I loved knowing that everything people did could be explained because I was always thinking about and trying to understand why things in my life were different from those of others. This program allowed me to explore different ideas that were in my mind. It allowed me to discuss these ideas with other like-minded individuals. And I've always loved to talk to people. That's something about me that hasn't changed too much. The, that used to be the only complaint on my report card from my teachers. It always said on there, she will not shut up. I remember in class, I was always being told to switch seats, but it really didn't matter who they sat me next to because I would talk to anybody. The time I spent in Stockton, like most of my childhood, was bittersweet. It was the loneliest period of my life, but it was also where I met most of my favorite people. Stockton is where I first noticed all the signs of my depression, anxiety, but it is also where I learned what it meant to be real, and by real, I mean authentic. It's where I learned about the power of versatility. When you come from a family of immigrants, when you are a first-generation American, education is something that is so deeply stressed. I constantly heard how important it was to get an education, about all the doors that an education would open, and how it was my responsibility to become something great, to be the first in the family to get a college degree from the United States of America. To me, school was so easy that the importance that was placed on it didn't really make sense. I quickly grasped that all you have to do to succeed in school is really follow directions. I never had to try too hard. I just listened, I understood things right away, and I was able to remember them later on. The one good thing about school for me was that I did get to hear an occasional I'm proud of you from my dad whenever I showed him a report card with straight A's. But 
Lord forbid the B was on that report card because he would not hesitate to point out how that was not good enough, how I could have done better, how I need to do better next time. I actually loved going to school. I loved physically being at school because it was my escape. It was when I got to hang out with people that I liked and I felt like they liked me back. It was my time away from my evil stepmother and my cold castle. I had a great relationship with pretty much every teacher. I used to talk to them about life and ask for advice. And I remember thinking, how crazy is it that these strangers who have no family ties to me have more of an interest in my life than both of my parents and my dad's wife combined? As time went on and after... Many, many, many experiences. Our family dynamic got a little bit better. Then, in December of 2009, I experienced the worst thing I've yet to experience. My nana, my first everything. She passed away and I didn't even get to say goodbye. She was the first loss in our entire family of 50 people or so. I didn't handle it well at all. I refused to go to her funeral using my college finals as an excuse. The truth was that I couldn't bear seeing my nana in that state that I was told she was in. I couldn't even think of her being in that state. At this point in our lives, my dad and his wife were separated and he and I lived on our own. But he never talked to me about my nana's death. I mean, he told me she died, but that was pretty much it. And I understand this was his mother, and he was probably trying to figure out how to handle it as well, but fuck, I was his daughter. And he knew she was like a mother to me, so... I had no idea how to handle this type of grief. I had never even thought about experiencing this type of grief. So I did what I do best and pretended like it never happened. In my mind, Nana was still in Mexico and I just hadn't gone to visit her. I didn't even cry about her passing until two years later. After Minana died, I used alcohol to escape from the grief. I spent the next six years of my life drinking and partying like I was getting paid to be on the Jersey Shore. I have so many stories, some funny, some good, some horrible. This is the time in my life when some of my friends started calling me a cat because of the multiple times that I escaped death. In 2010, a year after my nana passed, I moved the fuck out of my dad's house to Sacramento, California so that I can commute to UC Davis. This was when Sacramento used to be lame, lame. I'm talking Polari days, Pizza Rock after party days, 850 rent for a two-bedroom, two-bath in a safe area days. Damn, those were the days. Everything felt so simple back then, when I was just going through the motions, when I was lost in the matrix, 
But boy, was I in for a wake-up call. Fast forward to 2014. It was December, and I had just received my Bachelor's of Science in Psychology from UC Davis. Watch out, she's an educated Latina now. A first-generation American college graduate who worked full-time and went to school full-time and partied full-time, but somehow succeeded. An example for my three younger brothers, my dad's dream come true. What I was left with was a fancy piece of paper, student debt, and a mind that was about to explode from years of not listening to its inner voice. But hey, that piece of paper was going to open up so many doors and I could buy a UC Davis alumni license plate cover so that everyone knows how educated I am. I would quickly find out that these were false promises. The plan was to go to medical school, become a psychiatrist, drug up anyone going through anything, and become rich. But as my depression grew louder and louder, my beliefs and my need to be somebody in this world started to create an inner conflict for me. Eventually, I decided not to go into any more debt just to fulfill someone else's dream. I bailed out of medical school, and I started working job after job instead. I felt like a loser every day of my life. Here I am with a college degree, making minimum fucking wage, working two jobs, working three jobs. Why didn't the system work for me? I hated that I even had to ask this question, but looking back at it now, I wouldn't change anything at all. With every new job that I took, I learned more and more about myself. New talents emerged, old talents returned. I drove for Uber, I used to drive 7 days straight in SF and make enough to pay my $600 rent, car, and insurance payment. I would then spend the rest of the money traveling. Damn, these were the real good old days. So then I decided, hey, let's put this degree to some use. I got a job as an ABA therapist, that stands for Applied Behavior Analysis, What you do as an ABA therapist is you work with children who have autism, you pretty much are correcting their behaviors through a lot of repetition. This is when I first realized that I had the special gift of patience and that I needed to share this with others. Being an ABA therapist was cool, but it was becoming... It became really repetitive after a while. My mind needs change. It needs variety. So I decided to see what being a paraeducator is all about. Paraeducator is pretty much just like an ABA therapist, but it's in a school setting. Um, I did not like what paraeducating was all about. I then got a job as a nanny and... I loved being a nanny. It was great hours, great money. I really felt like I was making a difference. I was impacting the lives of these two little children. I was molding their minds. Unfortunately, my nanny job ended abruptly. And for the first time since 2014, I began to really question my life again. 
I ended up falling into the deepest depression of my life. I didn't work for almost three months. I got myself into so much credit card debt. There were days when I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't sleep, I wouldn't shower, I wouldn't even brush my teeth. Eventually, I was able to write my way out of this horrible state of mind and I started looking for a job to start getting my life back together. I was blessed to find a job full of amazing, resilient people who reminded me who the fuck I was and where I eventually discovered my purpose. Some people say that I'm obsessed with finding myself. To those people, I was never lost. I had just forgotten who I really was. And I encourage all of you to start remembering who you really are. Heal your inner child. Remember who you were before your family, society, media, before anyone and anything started planting ideas, beliefs into your mind. As I stated earlier, I love to talk. I love deep conversations. I love hearing people's stories. I love seeing that light in people's eyes when they talk about the things they love. I love having conversations with people who aren't afraid to show you their souls. There is an argument in the world of psychology. This argument is about whether nature, meaning genetics, your genes, DNA, or nurture, your upbringing, what you've experienced, who raised you, is a bigger predictor of the type of person you will be. Obviously, it's a combination of both. Genes matter, and so does nurture. But I know that plenty of genes can remain dormant in your body for your entire life if that person's life conditions permit it. For that reason, I believe that nurture matters a little more. If I had to say, I'd say nurture 60%, nature 40%. And that is what draws my attention. The nurture I want to know what you've been through. I want to know what you've experienced that caused you to look at life the way you do. I want to know about what you could have become and what led you to choose otherwise. I want to know what you've done, what you haven't done, what you wish to still do, what you wish you had never done judgment-free. I just want to understand why and how. I've had an endless amount of conversations with an endless amount of people, and I have learned so much from all of these interactions. I've talked to people from all sorts of backgrounds, all different ages, different genders, Every person I've had a conversation with has said how they wish they would have learned this about themselves or understood this about feelings or been shown effective communication so much earlier. 
And I'm not saying that I am this perfect human who knows everything, even though I kind of am. Just kidding. But I have been told multiple times that I possess what is known as emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. Study that. I care about other human beings pretty much unconditionally because I understand how the mind thinks and what drives people to do certain things. Since I care about people, I've chosen to share the knowledge that I have because I think it's going to benefit a lot of people. I can't make anyone listen or anyone do the things I'm suggesting But I can put the information out there so that people have the option. I believe that if you want a good future, you have to take care of the now. The now affects your future. So my goal is to share the knowledge that I've learned on my personal journey about being a human on this planet we've named Earth. I intend to do this by being my usual self. By giving y'all plenty of entertaining stories to go along with the information I provide. And of course, using more profanity than is necessary because that's just how my brain thinks in profanity. Now, just a little disclaimer. My podcast is called Psicología para la Gente. So, as I've stated already, we're going to be discussing psychology topics, I want to make everyone aware about the fact that mental illnesses, disorders, whatever you want to call them, exist on a spectrum. Everyone's illness or disorder might be expressed in different ways. Everyone might suffer from, or as I like to call it, live with a certain illness or disorder at different intensities. I know mental health has become a popular topic and I am so happy that that is the current world we're living in, but it's important to keep in mind our expertise level and try not to self-diagnose too much. I know self-diagnosing is so easy to do, but I don't want y'all to get in this habit of, oh my gosh, I share that trait with that disorder, I have that disorder. No. Typically, when someone gets diagnosed with a certain disorder or illness, it's because an extremity exists and that extremity affects your daily life. For example, we all feel sad from time to time, but are you feeling sad like 80% of your day, 80% of the week for no apparent reason? Does it just come out of nowhere? Does something as simple as dropping your pizza make you cry? Those are things to look at, right? The extremes. We all feel nervous from time to time. Is your anxiety just coming in situations where it's totally normal, like you're doing a presentation or you're going on a first date? Or are you just feeling anxious pretty much all the time for no apparent reason? Like you can't even pinpoint what is making you anxious, 
right? That would be the extremity right there. We are humans. We are not machines. So like I said, everyone is going to feel these things and express these symptoms, traits in different ways. Not only are the symptoms going to be different for people, but what works for one person may not work for the other. Some people feel their mental illnesses get better with medication. Some people feel they get worse with medication. Some people really benefit from talk therapy. Some people benefit from journaling. Some people benefit from exercise. Everyone benefits and is harmed by different things. So what worked for your friend might not work for you. Always try and figure out what it is you need. Look within. You are you. Look within. If you haven't looked within, I suggest you really start. It can be really hard to live a successful life if you don't get to know yourself. If you don't figure out what it is you are missing. Alright, that's all I've got for today. I hope you come back to hear the next episode. Question everything they tell you and keep an open mind. But most importantly, make sure to enjoy the ride.